reality. Good evening, everybody, and thanks for listening tonight. My name is Sandman, and I'm going to be your guide through this strange realm of ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, aliens, conspiracy theories, and other unsolved mysteries that I like to call parareality. Well, one day, I don't know, sometime back the first of the year this year, I was looking through my Twitter feed and I ran across a retweet that someone posted from this account with a weird name called Spookeats. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for me, someone with a Twitter handle like Spookeats kind of piqued my interest. And I was thinking to myself, what the hell is Spookeats? So I needed to investigate this a little further. So I clicked on the handle and I was introduced to a woman named Amanda Woomer. And Amanda travels around the country visiting bars, cafes, restaurants, hotels, spooky places, searching for delicious food and spirits of all kinds. Amanda Woomer is a self-proclaimed travel buff, foodie, and lover of all things strange and unusual. She's been visiting haunted locations ever since her first visit to Gettysburg back in uh, 2004. And since then, she's traveled to dozens of haunted places in the United States, from the Stanley Hotel in Colorado to the home of Robert the Doll in Key West. And at some point, she decided to combine her passions for travel, food, and the paranormal into one big package, and that's when Spook Eats was born. Spook Eats is Amanda's travel blog where she updates the world on her travels and adventures and tells us about all the foods that she gets to eat and all the fun that she gets to have doing all that. And in addition to traveling all over the country and dining on delicacies and investigating the paranormal, she somehow found the time to write three books. The Haunted Atlas of Western New York. It's a survey of over 130 haunted locations in the Western New York area, including restaurants, bars, and hostels, as well as cemeteries, roads, schools, old hospitals, and even has some cryptid in there. And she has walking and driving tours. She figured out coordinates, and she even made a, what she calls a spooky bucket list. Heavy stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff went into writing this book. It's very well researched, and there's a lot of time and a lot of effort that she put into that, and I'm highly impressed with that. The other book that she wrote is uh, the Cryptid ABC book. This is uh, book one in a series it's of uh, creepy books for creepy kids, where she, children gets to learn their ABCs with the... Uh, by the help of uh, some of the world's most famous cryptids. The Spirit Guide is her third book, and uh, that's about America's haunted breweries, distilleries, and wine, wine, wineries. I can't even talk. It highlights 30 breweries, distilleries, and wineries that are scattered all across America, and it highlights the history and the ghost stories of each location as well as the drinks being brewed there. It includes an old brothel-turned-winery, kind of, my kind of place, and a prison turned distillery 
is also a uh, Civil War fort turned brewery. And looks like she's got a fourth book that's going to be coming out, which is the second in her Creepy Books for Creepy Kids series. That's going to be coming out in September, and we're going to talk about that as well. So on tonight's journey into the realm of parareality, I'm going to take you, my loyal listeners, along with me to a world of ghosts, food, and fun as we learn all about spookies. And of course, to learn more, to learn the whole story, you'll have to turn on, tune in, and find out. Welcome, finally, to Parareality, Amanda. I'm so glad I could get you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to finally be here. Yeah, I am excited to finally have you. And before we go any further, I want to take a second and publicly apologize to you. I was supposed to have Amanda on back in June. Uh, For some reason, I got my dates mixed up. She did not, and I stood her up. (laughs) And um, it was totally... uh, I, I wish I could could have some sort of good excuse like, you know, my dog died or something like that. But uh, it's really, I'm just, I'm just uh, um, absent-minded. I don't know. I, I just wrote it down on the wrong day. And uh, I, I wanted to take a second to, to publicly apologize to you for that. I, I really uh, uh, pride myself on being professional, and that was not how I conduct myself. So I wanted to publicly apologize to you for that. And, and it's- Totally okay. You, you, I understand that the world is chaotic right yes, now. Yes, it is. So. And <laughs> you have been very gracious, and I felt so bad. And and thank you very much for for uh, rescheduling this. Uh, I really appreciate it. Of course, I'm glad we were able to finally find a day that worked with both our schedules. Yes, so it was I know. Meant to happen eventually. Yes, there's no way that it wasn't going to happen. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> so, Amanda, tell us about your interest or that that you have for the paranormal um i i know the answer to this story like we were we were talking um earlier i i i have uh been to your website uh, it's it's very well done by the way i love your website thank you uh it's <laughs> thank you. there's a lot of stuff on there and i, I i'm you know it freely admit I didn't look at every single little bitty thing on your website but i did peruse your website and i i I know the answer to this, but tell my listeners out there how you got interested in the paranormal. So I always joke saying that my paranormal origin story was pretty similar to most investigators and researchers out there. When I was about seven years old, I had my first experience with the paranormal. Um, I was in my parents' house um, where I was growing up. And it was late at night. I was laying in bed, and I saw a ghost. And even at the time, it wasn't the sort of thing where it was like, oh, in hindsight, I realized it was something unexplained. I knew as soon as I laid eyes on this old woman that whatever I was seeing was not human. It wasn't, it wasn't real. It wasn't physical. Um, but I just remember laying there and seeing this old woman in a bathrobe with as of sorts and it just she she walked and she stopped and she turned and she looked at me and 
she just stared for maybe probably one or two seconds, but it felt much longer than that, yeah. um, before turning and walking into what is now our linen closet. And it only took a second or two for me to scream for my mother, um, who ended up actually running through the old woman. She did not see her at all. Um, that, yeah, <laughs> um, which didn't help settle my nerves at all. No. Um, but um, that was the only time I ever saw her. I don't feel like I ever grew up in a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Um, pe- people have asked me that, you know, did you grow up in a haunted house? And I say, no, not at all. Um, that was the only time I ever saw her. It's the only time I really ever sensed anything. So apparently I was just in the right place at the right time to see that. Um, so from there, I, I kind of got really interested in all things paranormal. I started reading books on ghosts and cryptids and aliens. And I really enjoyed learning about just that reality, as you call it. Like, yeah. I know that what I saw was real, but how do you explain it? How do you describe it? Um, so I started researching it just on a whim. And when I was 14, we went to Gettysburg with my family. And that's when we went on a ghost hunt. Uh, my parents surprised us. And I was just bitten by the bug. I yeah. became obsessed, um, 100% obsessed, you know, started doing it on a fairly regular basis. Um, but it was a very innocent curiosity of mine. It wasn't anything that I was particularly obsessed with or passionate about. It was the sort of thing that, you know, my friends and I would, you know, go to a location on a Friday night and see what we could capture. It wasn't anything professional in any way. Yeah. Um, but in 2015, my younger brother passed away after a battle with pediatric cancer. And that was the turning point, not just in my life, but in my paranormal journey of sorts, yeah. um, it, it went from that innocent curiosity of just, so oh, let's see what we can find, to a, a desperation of sorts to kind of figure out what is waiting for us on the other side. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. are blessed with a really strong faith um, in what comes next after death. I am not one of those people. I am Me not either. blessed with a strong faith. Yeah, I just. I thought I was. I thought I knew everything, um, like a fool. <laughs> um, yeah. But I realized that, like, when my brother passed away, I was shaken to my core, and I started searching for answers. And I found that my answers really started coming to me from the paranormal, mm. and that was what helped calm my fears. That's what helped soothe my soul. And over the last few years, I've learned that my research has managed to help other people as well so that's really where I started with spookies I wanted to start something where the paranormal was accessible to everyone because I would start going to places or look into going to locations to try to find answers that I had like answers to questions that I had about life after death Mm-hmm. And a lot of times these places are exorbitant to get into yeah. or you need a professional team or all these other hoops that you have to jump through. And I knew as, you know, a 20 some odd year old young woman with no professional paranormal investigation team, that there a lot of these places were barred from me. I wasn't able to get into them. So I that's know. when I really started looking at these haunted restaurants, bars and hotels with these places that have just as much history as the places that you might see on TV highlighted, highlighted on television shows, you know, 
but they're actually accessible. You can actually go to these places and experience the history and hopefully experience, you know, a haunting of sorts. And at the same time, you know, it's an enjoyable experience. There's heat, there's electricity, there's bathroom, <laughs> yeah. not to mention food and drink. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was my goal really with Spooky. I started it officially in 2018. Um, when I really started highlighting the, the haunted restaurants and bars and places that I had visited um, in the hopes that other people who have lost loved ones and are searching for answers, they can find those answers. You might not find them at a haunted orphanage or a haunted jail, mm -hmm. um, but you know you can go to the haunted bar in the middle of town and you might have just as powerful an experience that can help you find answers. Man, that is a, a, a great concept um i i don't know of anyone else in the paranormal community that's doing anything even remotely close to that so uh, i i first of all um i give you my condolences on the loss of your brother um i know Thank that was a, a, a very tough time i i myself lost my my father when i was a, a very young age i was only 21 when he uh died uh very unexpectedly. Um, and I got my start in, or my interest in the paranormal and almost, I mean, we were almost mirror images of how we got started because I, I too was about uh, maybe nine or 10 years old. And uh, I had an experience in my room late at night that was, I don't, the only way I can describe it was it was a, it was a spirit. And uh, I didn't know what was going on, and it scared the bejesus out of me so much so that I just about could not sleep the rest of the night. Now, I did not see anything. Mine was uh, noises, and, and I know that it was, it was the sound of someone walking into my room, and there was verbalization. You know, uh, I did not see an image. Um, that's almost worse if you can't see it. <laughs> I know, right? And so that's what started my interest in um, in the paranormal. And so it's a very, very similar uh, in our in our experiences there. But yeah, like I was saying, I'm very I'm very impressed with with the way that that uh, you are trying to go about helping everyone. the 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 concept is very unique. I, like I said, I, I've never heard of anyone else uh, ha remotely having anything close to Spookies. And I, I wish I had thought of it because I love me some delicious food, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I always tell people that when you're traveling, you have to eat wherever you are. So instead of going to a chain restaurant, why not? Yeah. Check out a haunted restaurant. They've got history. They've got ghost stories. And nine times out of ten, their food is infinitely better than anything you'll get at a chain restaurant. Exactly, because it most of the time these places are local, and you can't get that food anywhere else. Exactly. Yeah, that's man. That you know, I was reading some of your uh, some of your food reviews, and. Uh, you get to eat some very interesting dishes. Um, have you ever, like, had one that's just, like, was so terrible? You're like, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> I won't name names. Uh-huh. 
but yes. Uh, um, I, I was in Salem. That's all I'll say. Oh, I no. was in Salem, Massachusetts, and I was kind of doing like a foodie tour mm-hmm. um, with Mr. Spooky. And one of the locations we went to, I was really excited to go there just because of the history of it. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the uh, tour guides I had talked to earlier that day, she recommended certain things on their menu. Um, she, there was a cocktail that she recommended that I definitely enjoyed, of course. Um, as well as they had a lobster bisque, which I'm obsessed with. So I ordered that and then I steered clear of the rest of her recommendations and ordered what I wanted and Mm. I should not have done that. Um, it just didn't, I expect seafood in Salem to be particularly amazing just because the ocean is literally right there. Um, and it wasn't, it, it was. For the price that we were paying and the hype surrounding the place, it was disappointing. I don't know if I would to go if I were to go back, I would get the cocktail and the lobster bisque, but that would be it. Uh-huh. That's okay. all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> so d- does uh, does Mister? I love how you call him Mister Spookeats, by the way. <laughs> does Mister Spookeats does does he have an interest in the paranormal, or does he just kind of do what? My wife does. I guess we could call her Mrs. Sandman. Does you know she just kind of indulges me? Does does Mr. Spookeats have any of your passion or interest? I think it's evolved over time. At mm-hmm. first, when I, I first really began this, I thought I was beating it into him, um, forcing <laughs> him to go to these places with me and like take yeah, a picture of me with my cocktail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, I've since learned. Interestingly enough, before he knew me, so it's okay, um, he would go to, like, local cemeteries and abandoned buildings with, like, his group of buddies, and they would bring some cute girls with them, and they would do EVP (laughs) sessions and think that they heard something and try to scare the girls so the girls would cling to them in fear. And in my head, I'm thinking, that's brilliant. Yep. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so I can't even be mad because it's like, I mean, he wasn't doing it with me, but that's fine. It was before. It was when he was in high school and college. It's fine. Um, so, but he's definitely more into it than I originally thought, which is nice because I didn't want it to be this one-sided adventure where I forced him to go on road trips with me to these old creepy buildings and I'll just like point out all the haunted places and um he's he he's definitely more into it than I thought at first um which is a good thing my wife loves to travel uh well she's she she's a travel agent in her professional career so I don't have any problems getting her to travel with me it's just you know everywhere that we go I have to try to to fit in some sort of you know, spooky something, some haunted location or, or something like that. And, and she, uh, she indulges me. She's not really into it that much, but she, she does indulge me. And, and we've done some things together that, uh, she wouldn't have done if I hadn't have like, you know, goaded her into it, but she's had a lot of fun and, uh, she has, has, uh, embraced it a little bit more over the years. So it's 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 always good, like you were saying, it's good to have someone that that you don't have to like force things on, you know. That kind of I I can understand if you're not really into it like I am. That's that's cool. But if you'll indulge me, that's fine, you know. Yeah, 
And the nice thing about it, at least for me, whenever I'm looking at a haunted location or researching a haunted location, a lot of times, nine times out of ten, there's a lot of history attached Mm -hmm. to those locations. Um, And Mr. Spookies is a huge history buff. I mean, I'm a history buff. He puts me to shame. Okay. Um, So so it's always – it's nice. To know that, you know, even if he might not necessarily be interested in the ghost story aspect of things, he's here for the food and he's here Mm -hmm. for the history and he's a happy boy if both of those things are there. (laughs) Well, he he gets, you know, his advantage to him too, you know. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So that kind of leads me into another question is how do you choose your, your locations? Um, So for me, it's kind of a mixture of different ways of finding places. Um, When I was first starting out, um, I didn't have really any followers other than, like, my mother. (laughs) Um, Good old mom. um, I would would research. Um, Anytime we would be going somewhere, we would be traveling somewhere, I would look up haunted locations in in those areas or anywhere nearby, Mm -hmm. and that was how we started. Um, visiting um, haunted restaurants and bars in our travels. Um, over time now, I've started getting some pretty loyal followers that um, will almost constantly be messaging me on Facebook or emailing me and telling me of these new places that they heard of or they just visited it themselves and they wanted to share it with me. So it's I particularly enjoy it when... I get recommendations from people just because I know that they've been there. So I know that it's got to be good. Either the haunting is good, the history is good, or the food is good. And if one (laughs) of them's good, great. If all three of them are great, even better. Yeah. Um, So I I have what I call my spooky bucket list, which is where that kind of came from in the Haunted Atlas, um, is I just have a list of places um, that people have recommended to me over the years and places that I've researched and even places that since I was a little girl, I've wanted to get to. And I just have this ongoing list, um, that I just look at if there's a place that we're traveling to for business or traveling with family, I'll look at the list of recommendations from listeners and pick one. And so far I really haven't been led astray. Um, oh, which good. is good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's an opportunity to get some really sketchy places, but knock on wood, so far so good. <laughs> so how often do you get to, to travel to these places? So when there's not a global pandemic happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah, fairly, I forgot about that. Yeah, right? Fairly frequently. I have not left my house since March now, um, so I'm mm. going a little stir-crazy. I'm starting to go go a little mad. Um, but usually, uh, Mr. Spooky and I, we try to travel someplace every few months and then make it like, uh, just a really hardcore trip where we get to a dozen places in a single trip, um, just to kind of make it last as long as possible. Um, we have kind of a rotation of a national trip versus an international trip. So last year in 2019, we went to England, Scotland, and Wales. Nice. Um, so I was able to go across the pond and, uh, it, you know, get to uh, visit some haunted pubs and restaurants and hotels over over in the U.K. Um, and this year was supposed to be a great big tour of the U.S., mm. and that just did not end up happening at all. Yeah. Um, so usually um, Mr. Spooky, his family is in Minnesota, 
Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of times we'll travel multiple times a year out to the Midwest, and along the way we'll just find places to stop as we go. Um, and we had several trips. We had a trip to New Orleans planned. We had a trip to uh, the Florida Keys, uh, Baltimore. We had lots of places planned for this year, and it just it'll have to wait until 2021 apparently. Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, I'm going to recommend that you come here to Nashville, and um, we have this. Uh, Famous, well, I don't know how famous it is. I'm sure you've never heard of it. Uh, famous to us, anyway. There's this um, little, it's an alley, and it's called Printer's Alley. And uh, the reason they call it Printer's Alley was because there used to be a lot of uh, printing presses and stuff in, in that little area. And, like I said, it's literally an, an, an alley. And they have, um, like, a few clubs and stuff there. There's there's one club, um, um, the Bourbon Street Blues and Boogie Bar, I think is what it's called. Oh I mean, my gosh! <laughs> I mean, it, it, you literally feel like you need you know a tetanus shot before you come in, and you know some antibiotics with your drink. You know, I mean, it's oh it's my. it's that old and and dank and stuff, and and the furniture is from like the the seventies or whatever, you know. But but right next door to it is this place called uh, Skull's Rainbow Room. And it used to be a speakeasy back in the day. And, um, excuse me, um, eventually this gentleman bought it. And uh, I can't remember his real name, but his nickname, everyone called him Scully. I think because he had skull tattoos or something like that. Uh, But Scully opened a restaurant in the old speakeasy and uh, he was uh, very um, active with the homeless community and he would would try to help people and uh, he was uh, I think the story goes he was trying to help uh, a homeless person or while he was helping a homeless person someone broke in and and robbed him or or something like that but anyway he wound up being uh, killed inside of his uh, restaurant in the 90s and um they closed it down shortly thereafter, and uh, he his ghost supposedly still haunts that restaurant. And probably about seven or eight years ago, uh, if even that long, they they reopened it and turned it into a um, like a it's like a high class restaurant jazz club and burlesque show all rolled into one. Uh, so there are people even to this day that still have uh, paranormal experiences there and then attribute it to, to the ghost of Scully. So it's definitely a unique place to go. I, I can probably say you've never been to a haunted burlesque show. Then I can say <laughs> I have not. <laughs> If if burlesque is up your alley, you know, uh, I recommend it. Um, but yeah, what's the name of it? What was the name? Skulls Rainbow Room. Yeah, that's going on the list right now. Yeah, yeah, put that <laughs> down on the list. We have a just a, a plethora of uh, haunted locations here in Nash, the Nashville area. Um, uh, the Hermitage Hotel is a haunted hotel. Uh, there's um, 
plenty of stories. You can look up the Hermitage Hotel on, online. There's plenty of stories for you to read. Unfortunately, uh, the Hermitage Hotel is uh, very expensive. I don't know if you could afford to stay there or not. I know I can't. Um, Probably not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe one night, you know, um, yeah. but uh, certainly nothing more than that. But, yeah, I would, you know, if if you get the chance to come to Nashville, you need to let me know because I will take you to a whole bunch of haunted locations, and I would love to go with you and Mr. Spookeats. Me and you and Mr. Spookeats and Mrs. Sandman will go and investigate Skull's Rainbow Room and have a good meal and I love it. see some burlesque it, show. You say it's a date. Yes, I love it. I've never been. I've never been to Nashville. I've been to Memphis several times now, oh, but I've poof. never gotten over to Nashville. So yeah, it's about time. Yeah, we're only three hours from Memphis, so if you can make it to Memphis, you can make it down here to Nashville. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, look look up uh, Hermitage Hotel and Skull's Rainbow Room. Do your do your, do your, Both your research. Both of them on the list. Good. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm always glad when I can make someone's uh, paranormal dreams come true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, uh, about your, your books. You've written three books and have one on the way is that am, am i correct um, they're all they're, they're all written because i had a lot of time on my hands the last few months well, yeah. um but uh, only three of them are out right now okay um but yeah i i've always been a writer i've always loved writing um but up until recently i always wrote for myself, you know, I would write novels and fantasy and horror and things like that, but it was always for my eyes only. Mm -hmm. I never dreamed of sharing them with anyone. Yeah. Um, and then once Spooky really kind of took off a little bit, I thought to myself, you know, I love writing so much. It's really my passion. You know, I should think of writing a book. Um, I feel like it gives you a bit more credibility of sorts mm -hmm. in the paranormal, if you can say, like, you know, I've researched this subject, I've investigated it, I've taken the time to write a book. Um, so that's uh, the first, the very first book I worked on was The Haunted Atlas of Western New York. And mm -hmm. that was, that took me almost an entire year. I can imagine. Um, of, yeah, I mean, it's a thick book. It's like 300 some odd pages, I think. I don't even know anymore. Um, and it was just constant research and reaching out to locations and traveling to the locations. Mm -hmm. um, I tried to visit almost every single place on the list. Um, there were some places where they were like, this is where a house once stood, but it's been bulldozed. And it's mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to travel four hours to look at an empty lot. Yeah. Um, so, um, but most of them I did try to visit myself. And it was really a growing experience for me as, both a writer and as a paranormal researcher, um, just to really get a sense of my area's history, um, the depth of the history. And now, whenever I drive around Western New York, I find myself like pointing out haunted locations to people, whether yeah. they care about it or not, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of awkward. Um, but no, it's not. some people think it's cool. Yeah, I think it's cool. I yes, don't know. It's I'm very like a cool. Free Free little tour guide. Come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Haunted Atlas was, that was a labor of love. It was, it, was, it took forever um, to work on. Um, but the reception has been fantastic. Um, 
You know, some of the bigger paranormal investigators in the Western New York area, they've read it. They've kind of endorsed it in a way. And people really tend to enjoy it. Um, And again, I I just I love sharing the history of locations with people and with the whole idea behind Spookies and having people kind of create their own paranormal adventure that's basically what the haunted atlas is you know some people Mm -hmm. are upset because it's not enough ghost stories it's too much history or you know it's just claims there's no proof of anything and i really like to reiterate that it the the purpose of the book is in the title it is an atlas um (laughs) you know it's yeah (laughs) it's got the coordinates it's got the driving tours and the walking tours because i want the reader to you know, turn off the paranormal TV show and go outside and find their own answers to these questions and go on their own paranormal adventure. Um, so that was really the start of write, the writing The Haunted Atlas and really why I wanted to try to include every single haunted place I could learn about um, into a single book that people could take with them and break the binding and take notes in the margins and really come to their own conclusions about things. Yeah, and you're you're absolutely right. It's a kind of like a make your own adventure book. You know? Yes, but in real life. <laughs> y- exactly. You don't. You're not sitting in front of the TV or or in front of a computer screen or or looking down at your your cell phone. I mean, you're you're going out there and you're experiencing it and. I mean, that's really what, not just, you know, the paranormal, but what life is all about. It's about having experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Why so would, why would anyone, it. yeah, why would anyone not think that that would be a good idea? Why would some people poo-poo that? I mean, just because it doesn't it's only, have enough It's only, it's only been stories. a few, few rotten apples in the bunch. <laughs> it's okay, Well, though. we don't count them, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then you're, uh, of course, you did write the uh, the Spirit Guide America's Haunted Breweries, Distilleries, and Wineries. So uh, tell me, tell me about that. So that was um, kind of the brainchild of the, the coronavirus quarantine. <laughs> um, while I was stuck at home, I really wanted to do something with my time. I was starting to go a little little crazy, mm. and I you know, was thinking about writing a new book for Spooky Eats, and I had different ideas floating around in my head. And finally, I, you know, I was looking at doing a book on witches and cryptids and different things like that. And I finally decided, you know, Spooky Eats has a following. It's got a reputation. There is this strange little niche that Spooky Eats is filling, and that's the haunted hospitality end of things. Mm-hmm. You know, the restaurants, the hotels, the bars, things like that. So I said, all right, I'm not going to do witches. I'm not going to do the cryptids. I'm going to do something with food and drink. And I kept trying to think, do I do hotels? Do I do restaurants? And finally I was like, let's just go to the source because when I'm at a hotel or if I'm at a bar, I'm ordering a liquid refreshment. Um, So let's look at the source of all of of that and go to the breweries, distilleries, and wineries. Um, So I started um, reaching out to places around the country just seeing – if it was something that they would be interested in being a part of. And the response was surprisingly 
positive and people were really interested in it. Um, so I started working on that only back at the end of May. Um, so it was a very quick turnaround. Unlike the Haunted Atlas, that took a year yeah. to work on. Um, this one was only about two months worth of work, a little less than that, actually. And um, some of the locations are fairly well known. Um, you know, we have um, Buffalo Trace Distillery in here, which mm-hmm. is one of the most famous distilleries in the States. Um, we have Booby's Brewery that's been on Ghost Hunters. Um, we have Belvoir Winery, um, which has been on, uh, I think, Ghost Adventures and Kindred Spirits. It's, it's um, fairly well known. And then you have a lot more of the lesser known mom and pop establishments that I really wanted to highlight. And my hope with this was to create a book that people could read during quarantine or if you're, you're kind of forced to stay in your own hometown and not really go out. You can read this book and kind of get an idea of places that you would like to go visit once it's safe to be able to again. Um, so a lot of these places, um, they have copies now available in their gift shop. Um, it is available on Amazon as well as um, on my website. So it was a really fun project to work on. Um, it was a little bit painful. I am currently eight months pregnant, so oh. I was a glut- I was a glutton for punishment with this because the whole time I'm like, well, that sounds good. Oh, that <laughs> sounds good. That sounds delicious. So, um, so I can't wait until I can enjoy some of these libations as well yeah. because some of the stuff just is absolutely amazing. That the work that these places are doing, not only for you know, aging and distilling and brewing wine and beer and spirits, but also preserving their history. So many of these buildings are historic landmarks, Mm -hmm. and they have tons of ghost stories surrounding them. They're very protective of their spirits, but they also want to share their stories. Um, So they've really just found that perfect happy medium of balancing the history and the hauntings, but then also creating these really interesting drinks and cocktails for the grown-ups that come yeah. to visit that they can they can enjoy. Yeah, the title of your book has a double meaning. I'm sure you didn't plan that on purpose. With the spirit guide? Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> my uh, my my friend who is also the he designed the cover, um Andy Store, he works for Haunted Magazine. He designs everything for Haunted Magazine that I write for. And I had a different name picked out. I'm terrible at coming up with titles for anything. Uh, it's atrocious. It's pathetic. I can't title anything. Oh, no. And he, he was designing the cover for me, and he was like, well, what if you, you know, do the spirit guide, then the distilleries, the breweries, and the wineries, and then it can become, like, the series, so you can do, like, the spirit guide, America's Haunted Hotels, the spirit guide, America's Haunted Restaurants. And I was like, that's exactly what I wanted to do with the series of it. You're brilliant. So I, <laughs> You're didn't, pay, I didn't pay him enough for that. You're hired, <laughs> yeah. So, so he came up with it, the Spirit Guide series. Um, so that was 100% not me. I'm ashamed <laughs> to admit it. I'm not clever enough for that. And he came up with it in like two minutes, too. So he's impressive. Good deal. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, congratulations on, on your, uh, your pregnancy, by the way. Eight oh, months. thank you. It's been a stressful time to be pregnant. Yeah, pregnancy and a quarantine and a pandemic going on all at the same time. Hmm. Say quarantine would have been way more fun if I could have been perpetually drunk (laughs) (laughs) working on this book. Uh, Who knows what the book would have turned out like then, though? You know, (laughs) a lot more typos. Yes. 
So uh, tell me about the, uh, the cryptid ABC book. So this was, um, again, me filling my time in quarantine. Um, it's actually the second children's book that I wrote, but the first one that I released. Okay. Um, so I was just thinking of different spooky books that when I was a kid, I would have loved to have had these sort of titles. Um, so I started working on this cryptid ABC book. Um, so it goes through the alphabet, um, from A to Z and there's a little poem, um, with each letter that highlights, um, the different cryptids. Um, so, uh, like Y is for the Yeti, M is for Mothman, um, different things like that. Um, so it was fun to research, um, the cryptids, but then also make them family friendly. Mm, Um, just because some of them are absolutely terrifying. Um, when I was illustrating W for Wendigo, uh, Mr. (laughs) Spooky came in and looked at it and he goes, that's terrifying. And I was like, (laughs) I'm doing my best. And he, it's like, you know, you take this cryptid that's known for, cannibalism and driving people crazy and you're like how do I word this that I don't terrify a five-year-old um so it was definitely a challenge um but I I thoroughly enjoyed it and that was the uh the next book I released after the haunted atlas of western New York and I really knew with with the atlas it was such a, a focused um audience you know people who are outside of western New York while I do have people who live in California and Illinois and they did buy a copy, uh, I know the majority of people live in Western New York. So with the Cryptid ABC book, it was nice because anyone can read it um, mm-hmm. because these cryptids are from all over the United States as well as you know the UK, um, Malaysia, China, India. Um, so there's a lot of more audience members that can participate <laughs> in the cryptid ABC book. So I always joke saying, you know, it's for kids, but then also kids at heart. Um, Cause I've had a couple of grownups where they said like, I bought the cryptid ABC book. I know my ABCs, but I had to add it to the, had to add it to my spooky library. And there I was like, go. there's no judgment, no judgment at all. So how, how has uh, the reception for that book been since it does kind of have some, you know, not so kid friendly creatures in it? relatively good everyone that has reached out to me has said that they've had to read it to their child at least 30 times um that the kids are obsessed with it um one of them wrote and told me that their nephew is now obsessed with the wendigo um always drawing pictures of him and stuff and i'm like really you chose the scariest one like there's a jackalope in there that's cute (laughs) like why would you go for the scariest thing because the wendigo's Um, cool that's why what? I said the Wendigo is cool. That's why. I, I guess so. Yeah. If, if you're into that sort of thing. It was well, scary yeah. to me. <laughs> I try to keep the illustrations very kid-friendly and mm-hmm. the poems about each character very kid-friendly. Um, so, I mean, if parents go and research a little bit more on things like the Wendigo and other characters in the book, they might be like, ooh, that's terrifying. But yeah. the book itself is kid-friendly, 100%. I, as, as you're talking about this, I'm going through, you know, the alphabet and getting creatures in my mind of what 
I would put down. And what I can't think of anything with a Z. What did you? What What was your Z creature? So let okay. I have to like reach and get my copy. One second. <laughs> oh, I'll put you on the spot. Because there, there was yeah, there was a couple of them where I'm like, Q. What the heck is Q? Um. So my Z is. A, I'm gonna pronounce this wrong. I'm gonna butcher it. It's a Zithius. Um, that basically looks like half a fish and half an owl. Fun fact. That's got to be a Native so American that's, thing. That's a thing. I, I don't even know. Wow. Um, Q, I, I managed to find, uh, again, I'm going to destroy this because it's Chinese. Uh, I believe it's Chilin, Q-I-L-I-N, and it's their version of a unicorn. Um, okay. So it was, it was a challenge to try to find... Um, uh, cryptids for every single letter, but I did do it. Um, so, so yeah. Way to go, man! I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I could have done that. That's that's pretty good. I'm I'm very, yeah. I I would that I can see how that would writing that book, even though it's a children's book, I can see how that would be challenging. Yeah, it was uh, it was always a relief when I was able to find something and then it was like all right i found the cryptid now i have to write a poem about it okay i did that now i have to draw this thing um so that was definitely a challenge but i think it turned out really cute again um the feedback that i've been getting from it has been universally really positive parents really like it they the kids are obsessed with it they all pick their favorite cryptids and i get pictures of the kids with the book and nice. and it just it warms my heart because after all that work you know you always wonder like is anyone even going to read this thing yeah. um so to hear from the readers and the parents and the kids uh it just makes it all worthwhile yeah i bet i bet it's very rewarding yeah and especially after years of writing only for myself and not ever wanting anyone to read what I've written mm-hmm. to then kind of within a year release three or four books, hoping that people like it and don't totally, you know, destroy me on Amazon <laughs> reviews. So far, so good. So Again, good. Yeah. A couple of rotten apples in the bunch every so often, but overwhelmingly it is positive. Oh, well, um, you're so always going to. Encourages you. Yeah. Oh, of course. So. But- well, I have uh, I have been wanting to write something for years, and I never can settle on something that that I want to do. And uh, I'll keep I'll come up with an idea, and I'm like, oh yeah, I think I'm going to write about that. And and I'm like, oh god, that's so involved. It's going to take so much research and time. And you know, do I really want to invest? You know, a year or longer of my life researching and writing this project and I keep you know having different ideas and coming back to to old ideas and rehashing things in my head and I think I finally um, figured out that I just need to start simple just do one simple thing and and accomplish that and then you know then maybe that'll give me the confidence to do something else. I I don't know that I would want to start on a year-long project for my first book like what you did. But, you know, you have written before. You you are a, a writer, even though you've never published anything up until now. So it's a little bit different for those of us who I'm, I don't consider myself to be a natural writer. You know, I kind of have to work hard at it. Yeah, and I would recommend 
comment, you know, there's so many, you know, great paranormal magazines out there right now, always looking for writers. So what I've told people in the past um, that are looking to start, you know, writing paranormal books or, you know, really getting into researching the paranormal and kind of sharing their findings, I always tell them, I'm like, reach out to these magazines. They're looking for articles. So it'll like kind of like get your toes wet, you know, in the writing about a certain subject or a certain topic. So you kind of start researching, but just enough to write an article. So that's maybe like, you know, two or three pages. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, over time you might find that one topic that, you know, you really become very passionate about and decide that's, that's it. That's the topic I yeah. want to go for. That's the book I'm going to write. Well, so. I have written for a couple of um, magazines in the, in the past and, and for a while there, for a couple of years, I was a movie, a horror movie reviewer for uh, a website, and uh, so I, I, you know, I, I have had some some experience, but it's just, I don't know, I just, I think it's just the uh, the fear of of writing a book, you know. I was gonna say it's the fear of commitment. You're afraid yeah. to commit to it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, any any advice? Uh, any other advice for me besides what you already said? Oh, gosh. I, I would say don't uh, – my big thing is my first book came out enormous. It came out to be, you know, three, 400 pages long, mm-hmm. whereas um, the uh, Haunted Breweries book is about 200 pages. It's much, much smaller. So I would say don't – try to put on yourself a standard of, you know, how big you want this book to be or, you know, how all-encompassing you want it to be. Just, you know, really choose a topic that you are curious about, Um, you know, because if you don't have that passion or you don't have that, you know, desire to really learn about it, you're probably going to fizzle out and get tired of it. Um, my big thing is I always try to write at least a little bit every single day, mm-hmm. um, even if it's just a sentence or a paragraph, because usually once you finish a paragraph, you keep going and then you get to the next page and then the next page. And then before you know it, you've written, you know, 10,000 words yeah. and you don't, you don't know where the last few hours have gone. Um, so definitely a topic that you're really, really interested in. Um, don't put any standards on yourself. My big mistake for the last few books I've written is I put a deadline on myself before I was anywhere close to being done. Um, and that just makes it stressful. It doesn't make it an enjoyable experience. Whereas if you can really, you know, take the time and research and enjoy what you're doing, you're going to want to work on it more Mm -hmm. than if it becomes this burden or a job. Um, so, yeah. Just okay. Rest. Good advice. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> so we we have a few minutes here before we have to wind things down, and let's let's kind of get back to um, your your travels. What is the the one place that you have been to that really sticks out in your mind as being like the number one haunted location? Ironically, not a spooky place. It's not a restaurant or a bar. Um, I was in Edinburgh last summer, and we got to go down into the Edinburgh vaults. Mm-hmm. And I 
was only down there for a very short time. I wish I could have been down there longer, but it's actually, it's like surprisingly very warm. The air is very thick. Um, I actually had a hard time breathing down there and I'm not asthmatic or anything. Um, But just wandering through this area was very heavy. Um, I compared it to almost visiting Gettysburg. When you arrive in Gettysburg, there's just a heaviness in the air yes, there that is. you can't you can't shake, and that was really what the Edinburgh vaults had as well. But on top of that, you know that you're underground, and the, like there, it's a labyrinth down there. So it also is this strange claustrophobic feeling. Mm-hmm. And while I was down there, I, I was there with um, Mr. Spookies and my parents. And my dad is the skeptic of the family. Um, You know, he's he is the Scully to our Mulder, (laughs) and um, he he actually had several experiences down there. And we were not down there for very long at all. Um, And he saw something while he was down there. Mm. Um, When in hindsight, he it was a sort of hindsight thing where he realized that he had seen something. we were standing in one of the larger rooms and the guide that was showing us around so we wouldn't die and get lost (laughs) um, was telling us about the night watchman and how this man would be seen with like a wide brimmed hat and this long kind of like a highwayman style coat um, likes to kind of like lurk around the fringe of the room just outside of, you know, the, you know, your light. So you can't really see him. Mm -hmm. And, I didn't think anything of it. I was kind of like, okay, that's cool. And when I'm in a location, I like to stand in a corner so there's nothing behind me. So if anything happens, I can see it. So I was all ready and prepared to go. And my dad saw the night watchman. He saw a man in a wide-brimmed hat with a long coat and did a double take. And when he looked back, he was gone. Um, And then a few minutes later, he felt someone brush his hair behind his ear. Mm. Um, And my dad has long, flowing gray locks, like very fabulous. Um, (laughs) So, and he described that. And as he's telling us this, it was just amazing to hear my dad, who is the skeptic of all skeptics, talk about these ghostly experiences. Um, So just for me, it was this really heavy feeling of uneasiness matched with, apparently these spirits kind of honing in on my dad being like smelling the skeptic on him and being like, we're going to make a believer out of this guy. That's right. Um, So I always tell people, you know, if they ever find themselves in Edinburgh, they've got to try to find a way to get down into the vaults. It's this whole other world. It's, it's unnerving. That's like the best way that I can describe it. And, you know, I've been to many haunted locations over the years and there was just something about, the Edinburgh vaults that I have not felt anywhere else on the planet. It's, it's powerful. It's unnerving. And I won't say it's negative or malicious or anything, but it definitely, it keeps you on your toes, whether Mm -hmm. you're actually experiencing something or not. Um, While I was down there, I didn't experience anything. Um, But I was just as uneasy as my dad who was having encounter after encounter. Wow. Yeah, it's like they they honed in on him because he was the skeptic, which makes me super jealous. Like, <laughs> exactly. I would like experience. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so when when you choose a location for spook eats and you go, do you actually get to conduct any type of investigation when you're there, or do you just like 
while I'm here, I hope something happens. It's a mixture of the two. It really depends on the location. Um, there have been a few times where I've kind of been given the the run of the, the house, and they're just like, you know what, just go. Here's mm-hmm. the basement. There's the attic. Go. And I'm, I'm not even going to ask a second time, like, okay, yes, I'm going. Yeah. Um, so there are some places that I have been able to conduct many investigations. You know, it's never overnight. It's never multiple hours or multiple days. Um, but, you know, a burst EVP session here, maybe take a few photos there. Um, so I love when places open up their kind of behind the scenes to me um, to let me really get a feel of the lay of the land so I know what, you know, when people are telling me their stories, I know the locations that they're talking about, and I know the energy of the room that they're talking about. Um, Other locations are a little bit more difficult. A lot of times they're larger companies, so they, it's not really a one-on-one feel, or, you know, you're there during, you know, peak business hours, and that's, you know, always a mistake on my part. Yeah. Um, you know, so sometimes they're overwhelmed and they can't even really stop to answer your questions. Right. Um, so unfor- unfortunately, places like that don't I don't have as good of an experience um, paranormal wise just because you're kind of one of the masses and they're trying to get you in and out um, so they can serve the next customer, which I totally understand. First and foremost, these places are businesses um, for food and beverage. Um, they're not here to necessarily conduct a paranormal investigation. Um, so when places are able to do that, I really appreciate it um, because I know that they're going one step further and going above and beyond what they really have to do. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping eventually, um, if Spook Eats grows to be bigger, you know, to be able to visit places outside of business hours uh, because then, you know, you don't have that residual noise coming from patrons. Yeah. Um, you know, you can really that sit can be and a problem. talk with the employees. Yes, it's, it's fun when you're trying to do an EVP session and you're above a bar and there's nothing you can do about the people screaming mm-hmm. at the football game yep. or, you know, singing over each other in a song. Right. So, but, um, you know, I'm hoping over time that I can grow into more investigations at these locations. You know, a lot of times with my investigations, I'll go to a location to investigate. It's not a spooky location. It's just an old haunted location. And then I'll go to the spooky locations for my website to do the reviews um, and potentially book down the road in the future. But hopefully, eventually, I would love to kind of squish the two together and get to do both spooky and an investigation in one visit. Well, I think at the, from just from what I see at the rate that Spooky seems to be growing and catching on out there. I don't think you're going to have to wait too long for that to happen. I'll keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you, too. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. We've, uh, we've talked about the worst dish you've had. What's the best? Okay, so everyone who's listening, if they've ever heard me talk anywhere else, they're going to roll their eyes and answer it for me. <laughs> but... <laughs> Because it's never changed. It has not changed. Um, so the best, best thing I've ever had is the Death Seat Burger um, in the Old Canal Inn in Nutley, New Jersey. Um, this is, I went there probably two or three months after I started Spooky. So nothing mm-hmm. has dethroned this thing yet. <laughs> um, at this, this, this is an, an old little dive bar. 
Um, and I say that with all the love in my heart. I know some people are offended by the term dive bar, but oh. I, I prefer them over like fancy schmancy places. So it's a compliment. Yeah. Um, but um, at this bar, there is this chair that has supposedly killed four people. Um, according to the legend, if you sit in the death seat, you will die of a heart attack after you sit in it. And there have been four confirmed deaths connected to this chair and heart attacks. Um, so instead wow. of hiding the fact that they have a killer bar stool, um, this place has really marketed it, and they created yeah. this death seat burger platter. Um, and it's, this, it's a burger with mashed potatoes, cheddar cheese, jalapenos, and then they beer batter and they deep fry it. And I always joke saying that if you don't die of a heart attack when you sit in the chair, you'll die of a heart attack after you, after eat, this you burger. eat the burger. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Like I am not the type of person that likes wacky combinations with my food. Like I'm that type of person where on my plate, the meat isn't touching the vegetables and the oh, vegetables God. aren't touching the potatoes. Yeah. I'm one of those people. Um, and I this is a leap of faith for me. I wasn't sure I wanted to really try it because I'm like mashed potatoes on a burger. I don't know. It was amazing, and it's so unique. I've never heard of anything else like it. Makes me want to travel in New Jersey. It's, a, it's yeah. It's the only time I've ever seen a location take their ghost story or their urban legend and they turned it into an entree. Usually, you'll see that with cocktails. Yeah. Um, where they'll be like, oh, we have the lady in white, and it's a white Russian. And you're like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, I'm going to order that because I'm a sucker, and yeah. I like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but this is like the one place that I've been to where they have an entree inspired by this ghost story, this haunting. And I just, pun intended, I eat it up. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Great pun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm... I'm trying to think, you know, we were talking about Skull's Rainbow Room, and um, they don't have, like, any, as far as I know, they have no cocktail or or dish or anything that, that highlights the haunting. This It's not something that they play up. But just about everyone that's been in Asheville for any length of time knows the story, you know? Yeah. Well, we are running out of time, so before I close down, I want to ask you, I always ask this of all of my guests, and you're going to be included in this. If there's someone out there that's listening to this podcast that has a haunted location that they want you to come investigate or has a haunted bar, tavern, restaurant, hotel, or whatever, how do they get in touch with you? So I am a millennial, which means I am always attached to my phone. Mm. <laughs> um, so um, I am all over social media. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and I just joined TikTok just to add to the awkwardness that mm. is me. Um, it's been entertaining. Um, all of those um, social media pages, I am at Spooky, nice and easy, all one word. Uh, my website is spookyeats.com, and 
Um, if you do have a haunted location that you would like me to check out, um, whether it's a restaurant, a bar, a hotel, anything like that, um, my email is spookeats at gmail.com. Um, and like I said before, I am always looking to add to my spooky bucket list, finding new places to go. Um, so please, please, if you know of a location or especially if you own a location, please reach out. I love hearing from people. I love talking to people about haunted locations and food. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely, definitely, uh, connect on Facebook, um, other social media platforms and follow along on spookies.com. All right. Well, those are all the different ways you can get in touch with Amanda Woomer from Spookies, which is, I have to say, one of the most unique ideas that I have seen in a while. And I, I'm like everybody else. I'm like, damn it. I wish I would have thought about that. Cause I love the paranormal. I love me some delicious food and I really like to travel and I like history too. So it, you know, it's like the best of everything. So, right? yeah. So man, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you, Amanda. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, agreeing to come on the podcast and I do me a favor. I'm going to put you on hold here while I wind the show down. And I'd like to continue to talk to you off air. If, if you don't mind. Alrighty. Sounds good. All right, everybody. This is Amanda Woomer from spooky. She has been my special guest here on pair reality. If you want to get in touch with her, she's all over the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. Spook Eats, S-P-O-O-K-E-A-T-S, all one word, Spook Eats. And if you've got a uh, haunted tavern, bar, club, restaurant, hotel, food cart, whatever, and you want her to come and check it out, get in touch with her on Spook Eats or just go to her website, spookeats.com. Once again, everybody, this has been Amanda Woomer from Spook Eats. Thank you, Amanda, for agreeing to be on Pair Reality, and uh, I'm going to put you on hold, and we'll talk a little bit more offline. All right, that about does it for tonight's episode of Pair Reality. I certainly hope that you enjoyed it. Let me know what your thoughts and ideas about it are. Send an email to me at sandman at parareality.com or get in touch with me through my social media accounts, Pair Reality on Facebook, Para Real Radio on Twitter, or you can always call the studio line at 615-692-1170. And don't forget to visit my website, parareality.com, often to keep up on the latest paranormal news from all around the world. That content is updated almost daily. You can also shop in the Parareality Radio store, or I, I had radio on there. Got that on my brain since I dropped it. You can also shop in the Pair Reality store and watch some of the horrible, horrible videos that I've made for the show over the years. And uh, you can actually follow my social media accounts right on the bottom of the parareality.com homepage. Social media is really where you can find out all about what's happening behind the scenes of the podcast because that's where I post a lot of interesting articles and show topics and other interesting stuff like my travels and investigations and stuff like that. Parareality.com is really your one-stop shopping for everything that's happening in the world of the paranormal, especially here on Parareality. Speaking of Parareality, this podcast can be heard on your favorite podcast platform. We're available all over the place. Not even going to try to list them because there are so many of them. You name it, I'm there. Uh, even on YouTube, I do have a YouTube account. It's at Parareality1. 
So uh, you can go there and uh, listen. You can listen to the podcast there as well and uh, view some other videos that I've got posted on my YouTube channel. Also, if you have a smart speaker, you can listen there too. If you have any of the uh, uh, podcast platforms on your podcasts or your, your uh, smart speaker skill, all you got to do is just say, hey, Play the Parareality podcast, and you can be listening to Parareality on your smart speaker. I also now have a Patreon account for the podcast, and I'd love it if you'd sign up to be a patron. There are three tiers of support, and all are extremely affordable, $5 a month or less. Each level also offers exclusive content, along with the ability to help create podcast episodes and even the chance to be a guest or a co-host on the show. To learn more, head on over to patreon.com slash parareality. 100% of the proceeds that I earn from Patreon goes back into producing this quality podcast. Everybody, the next episode of Parareality will air on Friday, September 4th at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. So make sure you turn on, tune in, and find out. I hope this podcast opens your minds to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way you see the world. If you wish to change... You must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope you have a wonderful evening, a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you again in two weeks. If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe.